Welcome to Hi Right Now Unfiltered. I'm Stephen Choi, your host. How's the vibe? Hi Right Now Unfiltered gives you a raw glimpse into the launching of my startup on a mission to empower you to form deep, meaningful connections. All right, Hi Right Now vibe. In this episode, I want to introduce you to one of my best friends, George. He's also one of the co-founders of Hi Right Now. You'll get to learn more about George's adventures traveling and living around the world, teaching himself how to code, and founding Hi Right Now with me. So let's get started. Maid, how's the vibe? Good, good vibe. What's happening this weekend? Uh, week. I mean, the weekend and the the weekdays during the pandemic have kind of blurred together. So, yeah, just work. It's been um, yeah, just been been a lot of a lot of programming, a lot of user acquisition, trying to figure out uh, yeah, how to how to make this thing a reality. Gotcha. May, so I want to give uh, our Hi Right Now friends and our listeners some context to um, who you are and kind of like your story and how we met and, you know, how we ended up like where we are right now. So could you could you introduce yourself quickly to our Hi Right Now friends? Quickly. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm George. I'm, um, I grew up in Florida. I, I studied, studied economics in college because I had one really good economics professor. So kind of, uh, went down that route. I ended up like, you know, dropping out of college cause I was partying too much, smoking too much weed, you know, wasn't very motivated. Um, yeah, it was also, I was in college during the financial crisis. So it was a little discouraging to see like the world around us falling apart and the financial system collapsing and like you know, what are, what are our prospects for the future? Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't super motivated and yeah, kind of at the same time I was coming across programming. So I started teaching myself programming. Um, I moved to New York and yeah, Steven and I met in New York and yeah, after, yeah, after living in New York and kind of getting my first web development jobs, I, um, kind of decided to take programming more seriously, uh, moved out to San Francisco, um, Worked at a couple of tech startups, uh, founded my own, my own startup. I started a real estate investment platform called ROI signal. Um, yeah, I worked on that. I guess that's probably one of my bigger mistakes trying to solo found a, a startup. Um, definitely won't do that again and wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Yeah. And kind of just like have been progressing my career in tech and upping my skills and yeah, I guess a little bit of the backstory. That's yeah, I guess it's good enough backstory for me for now. Awesome. Um, as you were telling me, um, it kind of reminded me like when we first met and like as we started kind of like building our friendship and everything. And it's kind of it's, it's kind of uh, an interesting story, right? Because we met uh, in 2013 for the first time. And then we only lived in the same city for about a year. And then we kind of kept in touch. Right. And um, over the course of our friendship, like what really, really stood out to me about you um, has been that like you've always like taken a lot of risks, right? Like out of all my friends, like I you 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 you've always been that person that just like goes out and like do super adventurous things, and I, w- I would always be like, yeah, like George is like like that guy, like super awesome, and like I, I I've always admired that about you. Like, can you can you tell can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what actually like gets you to be this like a risk? prone and like you're like you just kind of like you just have this just do it mentality and like I, th- I think i've i've definitely been inspired by you to kind of jump into this entrepreneurship and it's like um you know do a lot more risky stuff 
Yeah, I actually I haven't explicitly thought about that before. Um, I, maybe some people would say it's just your nature to be more risky. Um, I, I guess two contributing factors to to risk taking would be one is that I'm the youngest of four children, so I, f- I feel like this like competitive nature of like sibling rivalry, like being the youngest, I've kind of I've seen the results of my other siblings as they as they've progressed through through life and. Like one one thing that made me want to like, like for for example, my older brother Andrew, he always had straight A's. Like growing mm-hmm. up, he got like almost a perfect score on his SAT. You know, kind of followed this like perfect academic path, and so pr- pretty quickly in my childhood, I realized like I was not going to match his his like academic prestige. So what else was I going to do? And I had to stand out in a different way. Um, so I, I think part of it is being driven by siblings, like. Yeah, I, when I kind of was old enough to start traveling, like travel was something like I would, if my brother was going to dominate in school, I was going to dominate in travel. And like, mm. so I, I you know, that. I kind of took, took a lot of risks, like solo traveling and backpacking. And you know, I, I went to like one summer in college, I went to Honduras by myself and like worked at a hostel and then like spent like seven weeks going around Guatemala by myself. And this was like before smartphones and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that was that's part of it. Um, on the on the travel side, like wanting to take risks and just do cool stuff. And then on the professional side, yeah, I, I think dropping out of college was a huge, like has been a huge uh, motivator for some of the decisions I made. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if if you don't if you don't have a college degree, like you have to be doing something else. So it's like. I mean, that's it's kind of why I like the Silicon Valley and the the tech world so much is because it's it's very merit based. Like, you don't have a degree, who cares? Like, if you can build stuff and you have a you know portfolio to show it, you have live projects online, that's good enough to get you a job. Mm. And so for me, like, yeah, taking taking risks professionally has been moving to a new city or just like quitting my job and building a a new portfolio or something like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um. And let's 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 take the let's take a step back a little bit. So, I guess your one of the first like, kind of like risk taking moments for you was when you actually moved to New York, and that's when we met, right? Can you talk a little bit about like you know how we met and like our friendship and you know how it all how it all evolved from there to I guess our present moment right now? Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Um, yeah, so we met we met through through our friend Yannick. Yeah, pretty much like in the street. And the, I think it was in the Lower East Side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my memory of it was, I guess I was hanging out with Yannick and he's like, hey, meet my friend Steven. I, I started talking to you. And then within the first like 15 seconds of talking to you, you just kind of like ran away. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's weird. Like we're just, just kind of starting to talk. And then I see you're chasing down this like six foot tall supermodel. <laughs> on the street, <laughs> you go and stop her and talk to her, and then you're talking to her for like 15 minutes in the middle of the street. I was like, "Who? Who is this guy?" And at the time, Stephen was like, "You know, not as buff, not wearing his tank tops. You know, you're probably like, I don't know, you're you're like skinny, had a little mustache, and you had like glasses yeah. on." I was like, "Who is this little Asian guy that went and struck up a conversation with this supermodel?" Um, so that I mean, that that was cool. I, I thought that was a. Uh, that was an interesting start to a friendship. And then, yeah, we, we started hanging out. And then our first um, 
our our first real mate body moment we went to um I, I remember actually where we got the tickets. They had this deal on Living Social. It was a yeah. Groupon competitor. I remember and that. We, we got some discounted tickets to um, uh, Electric Zoo. And then, yeah, we both took MDMA for the first time. And it was just yeah. like, man, how, how, how else can you cement a friendship than by like <laughs> taking drugs <laughs> at a music festival for the first time? So, yeah, that was uh, that that solidified it. And yeah, even though we didn't overlap, I think we overlapped in New York for six months or something. Yeah, what's what's been unique about our friendship has just been our, um, yeah, I, I guess just a pretty like constant communication, um, like even when we're not in the same place. And then, yeah, kind of like merging our social circles in a way over time. So yeah, did did I miss anything? No, I think I think I think that's a pretty 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 solid one right there. Um, yeah, and then I guess I guess uh, you moved over to San Francisco, um, and that's when, like, I remember, you know, right before that, we actually went to Tomorrowland uh, in Belgium, and that was a that was an epic trip. And then we, I remember, like, you were traveling like solo to Budapest and like all the other countries, and like we crossed paths a couple more times, and then you moved to Florida to learn how to code and everything. And that was like, I was super, super inspired. And and you were just kind of like essentially doing what you're doing right now um, in Florida, but like, like just like the beginning stages. Can you, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, what actually like made you start this journey of uh, programming and then you moved to San Francisco, you like hustled and everything, like all that stuff, like I, th- I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think from, from a younger age, and it might might be part of the sibling competitiveness thing, I always had an interest in technology and kind of like a confidence in technology. Part of it was from playing video games. Part of it was just like, all right, if the router is broken and I can fix it, fix the internet, like my siblings will think I'm cool. So I was yeah. like, I always kind of wanted to figure stuff out. Um, but then when it came to, I took a C++ course in college and I failed it. Like I just could not keep up with like traditional programming, like at least when it, when I started out. Um, so I, I had, I had a bit of a slow start to learning programming, but like, it was just, I think it was just so inspiring living. I always think about the shift from the analog world to the digital world, like, you know, before the internet to the having everything, all the internet we have, and that that's only going to happen one time in the entire history of the world. And so I, I think that's it's just so cool that being a millennial, we got to live through this transition. And I don't know, I always like sci-fi and stuff as a kid. So I, I think I was pretty aware of just like how epic this whole technological transformation was. And I kind of, even, even though I kind of sucked at programming at first, it, not that I sucked at it, I just didn't have the discipline for it. Mm. I was just so, so inspired by the world around us and by all the cool stuff happening in the world that's like, man, I, I have to be part of this. Um, so yeah, I, I basically during I had a five month trip in 2014, where I, I don't know, I'd saved up money for a couple of years to go travel. And during this trip, I was like, all right, this is a huge transition point in my life. Other parts of this trip made it a transition as well. But during during this trip, I, I had a I bought my first DSLR camera, I had like a Nikon. Um, and I was, I was doing tons of photography and I was even thinking for a time, I was like, you know, like maybe I could become a photographer. Like it's not that hard, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I was taking like thousands of pictures and then 
I think I, I, I have somewhat of like an obsessive impulse. So like when I have my camera and I'm walking around, like I love photography, like a lot, like I really love taking photos. But then when I have the camera, like I can't even think about the world around me and like be present in the world. It's all about like, how am I going to get the next photo? And like the entire, I had, I had a camera for like a year and a half and I was just completely obsessed with it. And it kind of like, I don't know, after, after I kind of like put the camera away, I realized like, yeah, this is like almost detracting my quality of life. But um, yeah, I mean, during this trip, I kind of decided like, I, I, I actually, the, the, there was this one conversation I had, I was in, I was in Greece and I met these two guys on a, on a ferry. It was from mm-hmm. Eos to Athens. And it's like yeah. this eight hour ferry. And I met these two guys. One is this guy named Jay. He's big in like the indie hackers community. Um, he's, he's working on this app. It's called moo.do. And it's like, I don't know, it's some, some task management app, I guess, but Basically, he launched this app in 2014 and was like operating a startup while traveling the world. And I, I just thought that was really cool. And this other guy, I, for, I forget his name, he quit his job at Microsoft to just travel and like work on open source projects. He was working on Popcorn Time, which is like the f- like um, BitTorrent Netflix thing. Yep. And I just randomly met these guys on a boat. And I just thought it was so cool that they were both software developers and fully remote. And they pretty much, it was, it was the end of my trip too. And they pretty much told me, they said like, I mean, they, they just convinced me that like pro- programming was the way, you know, it's, it's, it's going to like open up so many opportunities for you. So after this trip is a few weeks later, I, I moved back to Florida. Um, one of my friends kind of helped me structure this self-teaching coding bootcamp. I executed that over four months or so, built some projects and just, yeah, moved to San Francisco. And that was kind of the genesis story there. That's amazing. It's so dope that you learn how to code in Florida. And then you took a few months to really kind of get it going. And then I remember you putting together your portfolio. And then you moved out to San Francisco on a whim, and you started applying for all these different jobs, and you finally found a job. And and then, and then you, I remember you kind of uh, bounced around from here and there, right? Like from job to job a little bit. Can you can you can you talk a little bit about that, that journey? Yeah, so I, I taught myself programming and I moved to San Francisco, kind of like, all right, I'm going to go live this Silicon Valley dream. Um, when, when I moved there, I think I had like $3,000 in the bank, which moving to San Francisco is like nothing. Luckily, I have one of my best friends, uh, Cosmo, he let me crash with him for a few months. So that helped a lot. But my first job when I moved to San Francisco, I met these guys working on a startup, some kind of data analytics startup. And I was I was very junior. Like I feel I really didn't know what I was doing, but somehow they trusted me and that I could pick it up. So I, I worked with these guys actually only for seven weeks. But basically, like they it was like a three-person team. They hired me as employee number one, gave me one percent of the company and a hundred thousand dollars salary. But the the little minor catch was that those terms were dependent upon them raising money. And so when I started with them, it was like, oh yeah, like raising money is two weeks around the corner, like it'll two, two to three weeks max. And that two to three weeks never changed. And then, yeah, it was like, I was being sold this dream, but like they ended up never raising money. So mm. after seven weeks, I, I had to quit. Like 
I realized I have to, I just have to be working somewhere that's going to pay me. Yeah. So yeah, I had, I actually had a pretty rough, I had a pretty rough first year, I guess I'd say. So I worked at this startup that never paid me. Um, whatever. It, it was a good experience and they're, they're good guys. Um, and then like my financial situation was getting pretty dire, mm. but then I, I got this, I ended up getting a, a job in Santa Clara, like South Bay. Yeah. And it was a, a senior software engineer position. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I mean, I was laughing too. I was like, all right, well, I don't know. I, I really don't know how like I passed the interview. Like, I mean, part of it was this guy, like it was one, one of these startups where they have these like overseas workers and this, the guy that interviewed me was in Russia. Yeah. And then the interview process was just me screen, screen sharing one of my apps. So I, I showed him my, I showed him my app that I built and he thought it looked good. And so he, he said, he gave me the thumbs up. So it's like this Russian guy giving the go ahead to hire me in like the, the Santa Clara office. So whatever I, I go in, <laughs> I, I go in and I get started and basically on day one, I'm pair programming with this guy like yeah. remotely. And he realizes he's like, it's like, man, like, I wish I would have screened you harder. <laughs> like <laughs> your, 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 your skill set is really like not, not up to par with what we're looking for. And so he told the engineering director, engineering director comes over to me, this literally, literally day one, he goes, he's like, yeah, so how, how's it going? I was like, well, apparently uh, what, I don't remember the guy's name, Vlad, I think I'm like, apparently Vlad thought I was a senior engineer, but like. It's just not the case. Yeah. But like I'm willing to work hard and hustle and like figure this out. You know, kind of the typical, just like the right response to yeah. being overly confident. He's like, he's like, okay. He's like, all right, we'll, we'll give it a month and we'll reevaluate. So for, for one full month, I think it was the month of May, 2015, I was just, I was working so hard to just like learn all the fundamentals of JavaScript, you know, just try and try and up my game. Yeah. And it just wasn't enough. It basically just wasn't enough. Mm. And at, at the end of the month, you know, I kind of knew it was coming. Mm. And he he just, he came to me and he said, he's like, you know, George, like, I, I appreciate the hard work, but like, we're an early stage startup and we just, we need a senior developer, like this isn't going to work. And so they, they fired me and they actually gave me severance. So I, you know, my, my pay rate at that job was 100k. And I worked for one month. So that was a huge chunk of cash. And they gave me severance. So that was, I was actually like kind of stoked. Yeah, like it was a it was a difficult experience. But like, I don't know, in the grand scheme of things, like a year before, I'd been just like bumming around Peru taking photos, like wanting to become a photographer. So like, you know, it was a uh, it, it wasn't the worst outcome. Mm. But that that was tough. And then I don't know. There, there is, there's a bunch of other stuff that happened. I, I, so I, I ended up, I ended up my net, my next job, which I stuck with for a year. I worked at a newspaper at the press Democrat. It's like a newspaper for Sonoma County, North of San Francisco, which I don't know, is a, a little bit ironic to like want to go live this Silicon Valley dream and then go work at a newspaper, mm -hmm. um, like as a web developer, but yeah, it was a good experience. I feel like the bar was kind of low there because there was like <laughs> their, their website was super shitty when I got there and I got to kind of work on a big redesign and stuff. So, yeah, that was cool. And um, what else? So I worked at a newspaper and then I was there for a year and then I was actually getting pretty confident with my skills after that. And I started learning React and then worked at 
um, this like education tech company um, in San Francisco. And I was there for about a year and a half. Awesome experience. And then, yeah, quit that to, to found my real estate startup. And what, what actually led you to founding your real estate startup? Like what, what was the trigger? Yeah. So, um, one of my best friends, Brent, he lives in Austin and Brent has been, yeah, I mean, he, he Brent has his, his own, like really interesting backstory and our, our, our friendship story. There's pretty, pretty interesting, but Brent had been, he'd been starting like real estate investing. So he bought, he bought this bakery connected to a duplex in um, in San Antonio. Uh, he, he'd been operating this hostel in Austin and he ended up like buying that building um, kind of got really lucky with like where he bought it. And then the area around that blowing up um, Brent just has some amazing connections in Austin and San Antonio. And yeah, he, he just, he, he really inspired me to just start researching real estate deals. And um, you know, he, he was saying he, like, we were talking about going in on real estate deals together and, you know, he, he had so much experience with real estate that I was like, all right, well, I got to catch up to him if I want to understand real estate. Mm. So I started, I started analyzing properties just using some pretty basic, like, um, like rental analysis kind of spreadsheet methods. Um, and so I would, I would basically subscribe to new deals hitting the market, uh, like subscribe to notifications for new deals hitting the market. And then I would run them through this financial model in, in Excel. Mm -hmm. And then like, if it was a good deal, I'd send it over to Brent. So I, I was just like helping out Brent and one of his friends find deals. Mm. Um, and so this, what, you know, my programmer mind said like, all right, well, if I can get notifications for new deals and then I'm manually running them through a spreadsheet, if I could automate that process of analyzing deals, then like why why couldn't this be done programmatically? So I, I ended up building. I, I ended up hiring someone to build me a scraper to scrape uh, one of the big real estate sites, and then basically run every deal that hit, uh, like analyze every deal that hit the market. And so that that was my product um, execution. Might have been questionable, but <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a fun project. Yeah, I remember going out to San Francisco basically after my first semester of. Um, being in business school. And then I remember like, I took like, like 20, 20 of my classmates out to Silicon Valley. And then uh, we met up and then, um, you show me, you show me around like where you live and everything. And you opened your computer and you, sh you, you, sh you started showing me the real estate app that you developed. And I was like, this is out of control. <laughs> you know, it's so like intricate. And it's like, just like the, just like the complexity that that's, that's uh, baked into the whole thing. And I was just thinking to myself, I remember I was like, mate, like you, you, you've done well for yourself, you know, like whether you succeed with this or not, I just feel like, like you're in, you're in good hands. You know, I, I, I remember thinking that, um, yeah, that's, that was, that was a good time. So, so that was what, like two years or not, three years ago, right? Two years ago or something like that. Yeah, that would have been, that was 2000, I guess 2017, 2018. Right. And then, um, like what actually happened with the startup and like, and then after that you moved to Columbia, right? Yeah. So I'd been, I worked on that. I worked on that startup from yeah, like October, 2017 till May. And then in May, May, in May, 2018, I quit my job at, at Forio, the like education tech company Yeah. to work, to, to work on it full time. And 
yeah, it, it was another one of these big risks. And I don't know, the, the way I look at it, it's like, I, I remember actually, I called Brent before I quit there. And whenever I'm going through something really difficult, like one of these big, in quotes, risky moments, like I'll often call Brent and just be like, Brent, Brent, talk me into this. Tell, tell me why I should do this. Yeah. like. I, I want to do it. And then Brent will just give me perspective. Like he'll, he'll be ridiculous. Something along the lines of like, you know, like what's the worst case that's going to happen. It's like, you're going to spend your, what you're going to dump like 30, 40 K into it. And then like, you'll be in a bunch of debt, like a year or two down the line. But like, dude, fuck it. Like, like what kind of, who else is going to have this experience of like quitting a job in Silicon Valley and like doing this startup and like, who knows what can happen to the startup. Mm-hmm. But like, think about the, what's the worst case that's going to happen. Yeah. I was like, all right, yeah, that's the worst case. <laughs> and then like, you know, fast forward a couple of years down, it was the worst case that happened. Honestly, <laughs> like it, it, I, I like, I, I sunk a bunch of money into it. There's a huge opportunity cost of not getting a Silicon Valley salary, you know, f- financially, I guess like that did happen. But the experience I got from like founding my own startup and like being bold enough to quit like a good job and then like being bold enough to leave San Francisco, like I was living in San Francisco and building a startup. It was like, why, why do I need to live in San Francisco to do this? Um, so one, one of my other good friends, Brett, I'd actually convinced him to go to Columbia because he was working on a startup and he could be location independent. I told him like, yeah, I mean, Columbia is great. I'd, I'd been there years before. And um, yeah, so he went, he went to Medellin um, in like October, 2018. And then I'd been working on the startup and uh, ended up getting out of a relationship. And I was like living in San Francisco, just thinking, why am I here? So I, I went to Columbia uh, to continue working on the startup. Um, th- things weren't going great with it as far as user acquisition. I thought the product was great, but I'd, I spent like very, very, very little time on marketing. Mm. Um, and then yeah, went, went to Columbia and then I, I was just loving life in Columbia. I ended up getting this uh, freelance gig that allowed me to live comfortably there. And yeah, the startup kind of went by the wayside as I was working more on the freelance gig. And yeah, that's how, that's how it goes. Yeah, I remember, when was it? Like, I I think I had just like, this was like last year, I think earlier last year, right? That's when you moved to Columbia, was it? Or was it like the year before that? Um, It was late 2018. So yeah, early last year, I was still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like, talking to you about this um and i i had just gotten over to munich with my previous startup branch and then and then i was just kind of like walking through everything um the 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 product and everything and and then you were telling me about your life in medellin and i was like damn that's that's that sounds way better than munich you know like warm weather cheap and you know like things things seem things sound just like amazing um and then you actually uh met uh simon there can you can you can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah, I think it was probably my first week in Columbia. I'm, I might botch the details here, but it was like, I think, I don't know, you were looking on Facebook and you saw Simon. And I guess a little context, like I'd, I'd heard you talk about Simon, like probably like once a month at least, yeah. the whole time I knew you. And like how, how, stories with Simon, all this stuff. And so I guess you saw that both Simon and I were in Columbia and then suggested that we meet up. So I went and I met up with Simon at uh, at the co-working space in Medellin. And uh, it was cool. It was like, I'd never had a conversation with him. Um, like we'd never spoken before, but right when I met him, it was like, 
it was cool. Just ha- having having you as the connection, I think just made it uh, so, something about meeting a friend of a friend who's like, you know, this, I don't know. It's, it's like this, we're, we're, we already had this little trio thing going. And then when I met him, it's like, ah, like, of course, like this it kind of like filled in these gaps of like how, how I relate with you. And Simon and I ended up becoming really good friends and moving in together. And uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Hearing about that was like so amazing. So yeah, on my side, I remember Simon just like randomly hitting me up once telling me that he had just arrived in Medellin. And then literally two days after you told me exactly the same. And I was like, what are the odds? You know, so I was like, yeah, yeah. I should connect you too. And then that's, that's, that, that's what happened. And the rest is history. And then, um, yeah. And then what, what, um, what happened in Colombia? Uh, so you're, you're doing your freelancing and then, um, like, what, what, what were some of the things I, I remember you were learning dancing too, right? Salsa. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I was learning Spanish a lot of like, I put a ton of effort into learning Spanish. I took some salsa classes. Um, yeah, mainly was just, yeah, enjoying, enjoying life, enjoying Colombia. Mm. Um, yeah, toward, let's see, I, I had a, I had a freelance gig and then, yeah, I, I, I ended up, um, I ended up moving into my next like semi-permanent, semi-permanent for me is like six months, yeah. but my next like full-time role um i took a job at this kind of like data science company that works with like medical records and this kind of stuff mm-hmm. um I, I found this i found this remote job and i took the job and then kind of as it was starting i realized they informed me that it was actually a remote only within the us so at the time i was in colombia and they were kind of like all right so you're gonna be back in the us right and i was like oh yeah for sure yeah <laughs> So, so yeah, I actually had to move, I had to move back to the U S cause they have to, I don't know, some data privacy stuff with patient records, mm. but yeah, I ended up moving back. I moved back to Florida and it was the first time I lived in Florida for like almost, almost 10 years. So that, that was kind of cool. I've, I have a couple nephews and a niece. And so it was, it was nice to be back by the family for a bit, mm. uh, mid last year. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then I remember that's when, uh, like we started like talking a lot more and um, I started kind of like giving you updates on like what's happening with my previous startup. And then like, I was trying to like transition that over to this new idea around um, connecting people, connecting digital nomads, connecting uh, location uh, independent entrepreneurs and everything. And then I remember, yeah, I was working with Hiro, who's like this Japanese guy that Takahiro connecting me with. And then, we flew him over to Munich and I remember working with him and then like the communication with him was very, very difficult. And then he ended up leaving. And then, um, and then, yeah, I remember asking you for help and then you just like started helping out like on everything. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's that's basically that's, that's kind of like, I think how we got started on like really, really working together. But yeah, I want to hear, hear from your perspective, like from your side, um, why did you like, why did you decide to kind of work on vibe our previous company? And then like, how did, like, how did we actually decide to work together? And then the whole journey from, um, you know, us talking kind of very, very casually and you just helping me out just because, you know, like a friend, friend is needing some help. 
And then two, like you actually flying all the way over from Florida to London for my birthday. That was epic to see Maddie on show. And, um, and then, yeah, getting involved full time, like going to Bali together and then all that, all the transitions. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, from, from my perspective, so I was kind of settling down in Florida, you know, I, I was, I wasn't super stoked to be in Florida, obviously, like after spending seven months in Colombia, going to Florida was a little bit of like reverse culture shock. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was cool. Like, like I mentioned, it was great to be by my family and um, like I hadn't been in Florida for a while. So that, that was cool, but so, something was a little off. Like the, the job was fine and it, it paid well and it was going to help me get out of debt that I accumulated with ROI signal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember. Yeah. So you were basically from my perspective, it's like, I didn't really understand like I mean, what, from what I knew, like you, you were working on branch and like you explained branch to me and I'm just like, okay, it's like a contact management app. Like, I don't generally like not super interested in that. Yeah. Um, and then you like pivoted to vibe and then like just the macro picture for me was cool. Steven's working on this like location tracking app. And then like, we were kind of going through the features and trying to figure out like, you know, what is going to be the, like, what's going to be the killer feature of this app mm-hmm. and like what. I don't know. Like I, I didn't really, I feel like I wasn't necessarily like plugged into like your vision at the time out mm. from my perspective is more like, all right, Steven's working on this iOS app. It's like a location sharing app. I don't, I love social apps and this kind of stuff. And so I'm trying to think of like, I wasn't really thinking about like, how can I be a part of it at the time, mm. but it was more like, how can I help? How can I help guide you to build something that people really want? Mm. And you know, we we came up with some like different features together, and then like I don't know, I I helped like I think I was help I like helped modify the logo or something, or I helped change the color palette. And it was like, all right, I was doing a little bit more design stuff, mm-hmm. and like o- over time, I was I was more involved. And um, yeah, I, I guess we started like it was getting it was it was getting like a bit more serious. Like I was working together. And then I think it, I don't I don't remember exactly which point I decided like we decided to do the co-founder thing, but I ended up going over to yeah for to London for your birthday, and I remember while we're in London we we're working on the Y Combinator application yeah and it was it was just awesome it was like three full days of just like all day just banging it out and it's like answering these questions just makes you refine like why are we doing this? Like, what is the purpose of what we're doing? Like, what is the actual problem we're solving? Like, you know, just asking like really like this, like these like reflecting internally a lot. Um, so, I mean, that was, re- that was really cool. And I think it helped shape what we're doing with five. Mm. Um, and I, I remember, I, I don't remember exactly what was the trigger, but we'd like, we'd gone out to dinner and we're, we're walking. And I, I just thought like, I just thought, what, what if I, cause like remember my job at the time I was forced to be in the, like, I wasn't allowed to like work outside of the U S. So I was thinking like, you know, what if I had a part-time job and, and I could work on vibe part-time mm-hmm. and I, I remember this, this previous like freelance gig I had. So like, as we were walking I just decided to hit him up. I was like, it's like, Hey Chris, like, I hope all is well. Like just wanted to check in and see if you guys needed any help. And he wrote back within like 20 minutes. Mm. And so it was like pretty much from from the the idea of like, you know, what what would it be like if I could if I could work 
remotely, just like kind of dreaming of like working on a startup again, working on vibe with you, like how awesome would that be? Yeah. And, uh, from the inception of that thought to actually just changing my direction of my life and what I'm doing was like 20 minutes. Yeah. Cause my, my ex boss wrote back right away. He's like, yeah, dude, we'd love to have you back. And so it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going back to the U S and quitting my job. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And, um, ended up, yeah, I, I guess there's a little bit of time lag there. Cause that was like, that was the beginning of October. And then, yeah, I guess I waited like a month to, to quit that job. I wrapped up some projects, but it, it was cool. It, it, it kind of, it worked pretty smoothly to like transition out of that job into a, uh, a part-time gig, which didn't care where I was in the world. Mm-hmm. And then allowed me to like fully focus on vibe. So yeah, from there, I, I ended up going to Bali. And I mean, basically at that point it was like, well, what's the point of being in Florida if I'm working for a company that will allow me to be anywhere? I might as well be somewhere cheap and, yep. and awesome. And yeah, Bali, Bali meets that criteria. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for the Bali vibe. And then you kind of like led that vibe, right? Like we were trying to think of a place to be. And then basically, I remember your criteria were like, okay, number one, it has to be very, very cheap. And it has to be warm right? And it has to be like somewhat expat friendly. And you had already been to Medellin, Colombia. So I remember you're, we were talking about Bali, um, somewhere in Argentina, like maybe Buenos Aires, like Mexico, um, maybe like Portugal. And then like it quickly came down to Bali after like looking up Nomad List and other, other lists on floating around the website that, uh, that say that Bali is the digital nomad hub, right? And um, yeah, you picked that spot and like, you kind of sort of, um, yeah, you, you went there first and you got the place and everything. And like, I remember like every day you were giving me this update, like, mate, you got to come down here as soon as possible. Like everyone I talk to about vibe, like they, they just get the vibe, they love it. And they, they just understand the idea. And like these, these guys are like the perfect target customers and we got to be closer to customers. And like that really sold me on that. Right. And, and I ended up moving to Bali in January and we had, we had some amazing time, like meeting all these cool people, meeting guys like Jeff, um, Elton and Ethan and all those guys. And yeah, there's, it's like looking back, it's just, just super crazy about, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I remember like when I was trying to decide where to go and like in October, like when I was, quitting my job about to start this new job is like, well, got to, got to go somewhere. Um, I mean, Bali came up like pretty fast for me just based on like, you know, climate being cheap. Like, you know, I, I knew like it was kind of like an interesting place to be for like remote work. And like your, your resistance to accepting Bali as like the place to be, like really caught me off guard and like i mean i don't know in my mind like it just seems so obvious like bali just yeah. looks like sick and then you're like ah oh, like the fucking the mosquitoes like the sweat the like whatever <laughs> like i don't even i don't even like the beach man like whatever and, I, remember and I, that. I, I don't know if i still don't think you even i mean we might have gone to the beach like one time and had a coconut or something but even even without the beach like yeah. ah, man bali bali is the place to be um yeah yeah i remember i remember saying all that and on top of that i remember telling you that 
oh mate like you know the whole bike ride scene you know motorbike scene that's like not my scene you know because like i had i had this i had this like trauma like a, like a semi-trauma um i i traveled uh to thailand and cambodia with jan and dylan back in the day and then um like i had never i never ridden a motorcycle before right and not like a, a scooter and then they were just kind of they just showed me show me how to do it you know and then you know how like on your right side there's that, that throttle and you just you know just rotate it and it just goes you know and then i, I never realized um how sensitive this thing would be and then i just just cranked it and then i just went like super fast and i lost balance and i just uh i didn't really crash but i just fell down a little bit so like i scraped uh um my entire like left side of my body was just like bruised and everything so I'm like, where, where was that this was in uh um where was it Kolanta in thailand okay i just want to make sure you weren't we weren't talking about the same thing because th there was also the time when we were in traffic on the shortcut in changu and then you fell into the shortcut but i was <laughs> Sure if that's, man, I, I oh wish I had God. that on video. Is it like, it's like you weren't going fast or anything. It was just like you were trying to like let a car go by, and it was like this slow motion, like tilting, <laughs> tilting over. And it's like, all right, well now you're in the grass. Man, that was that that was dope though because I I came I'm I'm I emerged unscathed, right? <laughs> right? Like I was like, man, I was completely fine. And now um, you can say you fell into the shortcut. So good work. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's a part of the ritual, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mate so yeah let's 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 kind of like recap the vibe you know the vibe vibe you know i i i i talk about kind of like what we learned from my perspective right um obviously that whole my macro environment that allowed us to kind of like almost forced us to reconsider our entire sort of startup tra trajectory right like we're connecting our we're connecting travelers and like obviously the entire world is shutting down um when the pandemic was getting started. So we just, we just had to reassess the vibe and switch gears and everything. But yeah, from your perspective, like what actually happened there? Uh, what did you learn personally? Um, if there's anything that we could have done, uh, what, what is that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to say. I actually haven't really thought about that. Like, like let's, let's imagine a different, a different, history where vibe is still going right now like how how would that have unfolded like i haven't really explored that it would be interesting to think about um i guess one of one thing i've been thinking about a lot recently um for high right now is is just distribution like get it just getting our app in front of as many people as possible and having a scalable way to reach out to new customers and like onboarding people and i, I think part of that focus I mean, it's, it's not my original thought or anything. It's coming from probably listening to podcasts or listening to other startup talks. But that that's something that we didn't really have handled for Vibe. Like we, we didn't have, we're a straight, we're basically a straight B2C app and we, we uh, Vibe was. But like, how were we going to scale it from a few hundred users to a few hundred thousand, for example. And like, we didn't really have a plan or we we're trying to make a plan, but we didn't really have a strategy. It's like, okay, let, let's see digital nomads. Like they want to know where they want to like meet new people. They want to make new connections, you know, share their locations, like have this like serendipity kind of thing. Like conceptually it was cool. And it conceptually made sense that they would need VOD. And then it's like, okay, also like, you know, these, like anyone going through this like transitionary period in life, like, you know, 
like college graduates or business school graduates or people who have gone through some kind of like experience together. Like the, these were cohorts we were thinking would need vibe, but we didn't really have like an agile, robust way to test this and to see like to actually roll vibe out to like all these new people. We, we also didn't have any, um, we didn't have any kind of like, I mean, the app wasn't, it wasn't as if it's dead. It's still there. But the, the app isn't super, it just doesn't have any, like it, it kind of has a functionality of like seeing your friends on a map and like making these introductions, but it doesn't have anything really sticky and it doesn't have anything really engaging that'll make you come back a lot. And it, another thing it's missing is having this like, I mean, those both go along with being viral, but we didn't have a way along with distribution to to spread like, to invite people and like have like incentives around that or gamification. So, I mean, those, 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 a lot of little things that were like, yeah. that were kind of missing, but I think those are all, those have all been top of mind, you know, for the last several months as, as we've been starting high right now. Um, like mm. how do we, how do we kind of like, yeah. How, how do we lear learn from our past? Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I guess that flows very nicely into our next topic, which is high right now. So, yeah, obviously you've worked like a crazy. I mean, all of us have worked like crazy over the past few months. But like, I mean, I think you and Max by far, like it's like every single day, just we had a tight deadline to push the first version of our product within a month. And um, yeah, we, we, we hit that deadline and just like we've, we've just been pushing every single day. But um, yeah, like why you're doing high right now, like what have you learned so far and uh, what's the most exciting part about building high right now for you? Yeah, um, I guess I'll, I'll start with the, the exciting part. I mean, the be, being that we have these right now, we have four events recurring on Wednesday. Um, it's, it's just so cool to show up to these events and meet 10 new people or eight new people every event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, we we're, we were talking a bit back about like, what is, what is our unique insight? And what, one of, one of these unique insights for me, at least is like, there's not really a way to like meet, meet new people online. Like meeting new people online is weird. And like, yep. and like what we're doing so far like it's not weird. So I, th I think like just that simple fact means we're oh, we're onto something. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's just really cool to be able to meet new people online and like our our community is has been like very chill, very cool, very ambitious, um, like very open. Um, we're meeting all these people every single week that are like you know help helping us out, and so that that's been that's just been awesome. And it's, especially during the pandemic, it's like how many people have I interacted with like face to face, including my family? It's probably like 15 people over the last 20 people over the last like five months, four months, however long this has been. So it, it's yeah. cool to have this consistent stream of like new faces. I mean, just for my own sanity, like that's made the pandemic a lot more bearable. Um, yeah. Especially for you. Cause you're, you're in Florida by yourself. I mean, you live with your mom and she's not really there. What's that? Why do you have to tell everyone I live with my mom, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right secrets yeah. out secrets out yeah. no, no no cameo for fran today unfortunately she's like, yeah 
damn, I was actually kind of hoping she would make a cameo appearance. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, th I think uh, that consistency is really, really key, right? Like where in the world can you go right now to meet like 10 people over the course of an hour, like effortlessly. And then I think that's, that's, that's really, really unique. Right. And I think, I think that's awesome. Like you, you don't, you don't really have to do anything. It just tells you who to meet. Yeah. And I, I guess, um, the other part of your question was about like, it was about the learnings actually, but I mean, I, I yeah. guess I, I was just thinking, I, I don't exactly know the learnings. Maybe it's a little too early to say like, this is what I've learned, but I would, I would say the biggest challenge we have right now, and it, the challenge becomes more and more obvious as the weeks go by because we're meeting so many people, but it's like, I, I was, I was actually using this example early on. It's like, let, let's imagine for a moment that we have, we have all of the best people on our platform and there's a high quantity of them, like given the existing app now, it's like, okay, so we have, we have all these awesome people. There's tons of them. But then like right now our platform is really only, it's like putting people together for these like five minute conversations or seven minute conversations. And then it's kind of up to them of like, how do you, it's, it's up to them to carry it on and turn it into something. So like the more, the more people that I meet, it, I mean, it's actually, it's pretty overwhelming, honestly. Like if, if you're, if you're meeting like, like 10 to 15, like awesome people every week, and like, what do you, what do you do with all these connections? And so like, I mean, I'm trying to figure out this myself. Like I think a few different users of high right now, including us have been taking notes throughout the, um, throughout the speed networking sessions. This is something I've been doing just to remember, like, like who, who are these people? What should I follow up about? Um, but yeah, going, I guess the biggest challenge in short and long is the, the biggest challenge is how, how do how do you take this five minute conversation or seven minute conversation and like nurture that into something to to something like mutually beneficial and like a long term relationship if that's what it's going to turn into it's, especially when these relationships are fully remote and like you know these people aren't most likely going to be living in your same city so that's I mean I, I think just experiencing the platform ourselves like e eating your own dog food as the same startup world is like that's going to like really force us to solve this problem and it's this comes up every single week it's like how do what how do we do a better job of of guiding guiding our users to form relationships and like making this really useful yeah I, and i think that's that's essentially um you know, during during uh, my podcast interview with Elvis, that's something that I've highlighted as well, right? Like, our vision is to empower humanity to form deep, meaningful connections, and then that's a huge vision. And okay, that that's that's fine as 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 its own grand vision. But like, what can we do to actually get there? And then the first part is the discovery phase, where we allow people to actually discover all these amazing people, relevant and like-minded people, which is what we're doing with High right now. But then once we allow that to happen, what can we do to actually facilitate natural, like seamless type of interactions so that without them having to do all this legwork, um, they can just super easy and in a fun way, naturally form, naturally form all these uh, 
connections and relationships, right? And um, yeah, like I haven't really seen anyone properly address this pain point yet. And I think that's, to be fair, it's a bit of a different pain point than what we're solving at the moment with the discovery phase. But I, I do believe that once we can... Once, once we can actually properly address this pain point, um, it, it, it's, uh, it introduces like this whole complete loop and ecosystem. And I think it's, it's, it, it would be a fun place because it is true. Like, for, like I, so far we've met probably more than 100 people each, right? And it is a struggle to remember all of them. So what can we do to actually make it easier for people to not only remember, but like actually engage with them? Yeah, and, and I think I think we'll do it. I, I think we'll just do it step by step and kind of get, like get feedback and learn along the way. Like for example, one one little thing that we'll do soon, I'm sure, is like I, I mentioned how I'm I'm taking notes on like the people that I'm meeting, which might seem weird, but I've seen other people doing this on video and heard people say that they're doing the same. So one really obvious next feature is to just enable users to take take notes about the person they're talking to. Um, so yeah, that, that like, it's, it's not like we have to build out this full suite of features that are going to like help users follow up and plan future events with them. Like, no, it's like, we're going to go step by step. It's like build the note taking feature. Then maybe it's like enable people to message each other in the app and then kind of like sit there and like see how people use it and like see how people engage with it. Yeah. And then alongside with that, the whole, um, asking people for favors or like, you know, allowing people to enabling people to offer their help. Mm. I, th I think that's huge because I think as uh, so far for the past two months, it's been pretty clear that in terms of our target customer, it's people who, who, who experience this, like the, these transitions on a, on a, on a frequent basis. So obviously entrepreneurs, like they, they, they feel like they are, they automatically get what we're trying to build because, you know, the more, the more connections you have, whether it's low stakes or high stakes or whatever, like the better because they're just going through so many different challenges and um, and all that stuff. And you know, digital nomads uh, in the same vein, like same thing, right? So yeah, it, whatever we can do to make it easier for them to like offer something. So like you know, uh, like whether it be some type of skill set or like. You know, they've just like learned about something cool and like they're sharing that knowledge or whatever. And then other people can like view it that I think that type of stuff sort of like uh, really encourages people to engage uh, in a more natural way. And how we're going to do that, I guess we kind of spoke about that internally, but I guess we'll 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 let that sort of like vibe marinate so that, you know, we surprise our users, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I think one one thing that we've um kind of uncovered with our early adopters is this this yearning for personal growth or I mean maybe personal growth is something I would say that a lot of our early adopters have in common and I think it matches our like our own user personas of using this app it's like we're building this app because like we want to make it we want to make it easier to build new connections but then like what types of people are actually actively looking to go build new connections is people who are are interested in improving themselves and personal growth and having this growth mindset like i mean I, i've seen i've seen people on the app and had conversations with people on the app where i'm pretty sure it's going to be the only time they use the app like you get on there and they're like 
like maybe they're not sure why they're there and it's like they're a little bit awkward and it's like you know it's they're they're just trying it out because it's a freaking pandemic and people are bored but like i i think tailoring our or like just 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 constantly thinking of like what like what can we do to make this work better for people who are interested in their own personal growth i think that's going to continue to guide us and i think what you mentioned about offering favors or like this whole mentality of giving back like i i love the idea that like everyone on high right now has something to bring to the table and offer to the community and we're we're nurturing this atmosphere of of like giving and like sharing information and providing value like that that's something i think both of us um highly value just this just this giving this giving vibe and so yeah if we can encourage that like this giving vibe along with the personal growth thing i, I think that gives us this really it, it gives us a really unique place to operate from to like inform the rest of our product decisions and i, I think that's going to make it like that that's something that's a little bit harder to copy like when you can copy like competitors could copy features alone but like what's going to what's going to continue to guide our team and our decision making processes are these like more core dna things yeah 100% and also um as you're saying all these things i i kind of i was thinking like what you just mentioned vis-a-vis -vis the whole like giving back thing personal growth and everything um when we actually do 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 them we are effectively putting ourselves in the position of your guide, right? Like we, we, we kept on saying it, like we want to position ourselves as your meaningful relationship guide. And like, what does that mean? Like we actually want to guide people to, to, to discover, expand and build their connections, right. In a super easy and fun way. And, you know, I think, I think, I don't think it's just about building some random features like, you know, chat and all, I mean, they're, they're all good, but then I don't think it's just about like building something and like letting people just use it. I mean, that's, that's certainly a part of it, but like whatever we can do to actually actively like guide them through this journey of like building connections and relationships, which can be pretty, pretty, pretty daunting sometimes. And like cum cumbersome, you know, it's like a lot of people, they, 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 they all know that, okay, you know, your network is important, you know, professional connections, personal connections, like all important, but like, what's, what's actually going to move the needle for them, you know? And I think, I think that really is when there's a service product or whatever uh, company out there that actually makes this whole process like super fun and intuitive. And I think um, what you just mentioned, those two things really go in the direction of us positioning, positioning ourselves in that way. Yeah, it's interesting. This, I mean, this this thing about guiding relationships keeps coming up, and something that I've been thinking about recently is, well, it's it's like, I mean, if if we can start to solve this problem of helping people to guide, like you know, help them, like introduce them to new people to start forming new relationships, and then help them nurture these relationships, it's it's definitely interesting, and like it's a, it's an important problem to solve, um, but we just just we have to remember that we're we're in the middle of this like crazy pandemic and like all of these relationships that we'll be nurturing are fully remote so I, i'm really interested to see what happens like as the world returns to some semblance of normalcy when when like like for example one one product direction could be we host an event for entrepreneurs just in new york city and so 
people people like basically creating these more localized events so like yeah sure dur during the pandemic it's it's fine to meet someone from across the world and have this video chat and like or someone across the country and you can kind of help each other out whatever but like moving forward i i think like yeah it, it'll it'll be interesting to actually start start for not, not forcing start encouraging these more localized connections and then to to see like to see what we can do actually to get people to get people meeting up offline and to get people to form face-to-face -face relationships. So that's something like we haven't really thought about all that much, but I, I think like with time, it'll be obvious that it definitely has a part to play. And this, this isn't just a pandemic special. This is something that's going to span for years. Like once the world returns to normal, like it'll be, it'll be a tool and a network that kind of just assist your professional vibe. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, yeah, at this moment, we're hosting four weekly recurring events. And one of them, I mean, the reason we're doing that is because we want to accommodate our users in different time zones, right? And I remember, I don't know if you're there, George, you might have you might have been with your family or something. But two weeks ago, uh, with our New York friendly or East Coast friendly um, time event, uh, you know, we have our we have our one on one, the whole like series of one on one video video chats. And at the end of that, you know how we put everyone into this group room and um it's just like as we're chatting it just emerged that there's these two people that got matched and it just so happened that oh, like, yeah. there's there. like no other or something like that right or they live like just around the corner and that was crazy you know it was right? like, like it was, um so it was like the, this this man and this woman meet and then oh what was it, it was like yeah, I, I don't know. It's actually it's it's one of these small world stories. It was like she she knew his neighbor or something, and then like two other people met, and then like someone else knew that neighbor, and then like this all kind of came out during our group call. But yeah, uh, I, I yeah. love that kind of stuff. It's just bound to happen. Yeah, and then and then you know with our with our Asia friendly time time event, uh, I remember Ethan was telling me he recognized. He he got matched with the Shah, who's at the uh, who's at Draper Startup House, and then he Ethan recognized like one of his friends in the background chatting uh, <laughs> with Shah, and then like he mentioned that he was like, "Hey, Shah, is that uh, whatever Mary or something like that?" And she was like, "Wait, what? How, like, how do you know this person?" You know? That's <laughs> yeah, know that. yeah, mate. Yeah, that's the vibe. So yeah, I guess we're kind of coming to our one hour mark. Um, I guess uh, we should wrap it up. You said Andrew's coming to hang out with you at some point today. So uh, yeah, before we go, I want to ask you, I guess, any any advice, any parting words for, I guess, aspiring digital nomads, entrepreneurs, startup founders, or, you know, people who who are like kind of like on the verge of sort of like jumping into this type of world? Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know if everyone would agree with this advice. But I, I would say just learn programming. Honestly, for, for anyone, whether you're in digital marketing or Facebook ads or you're, in, I don't know, even like an author or a product manager, like I, I really think that a, a solid understanding of programming is going to help you almost no matter what your career is. Like it's it's 2020, like what are you going to be doing in 10 years? And like how how is the, the workforce going to look different? I think I think programming is going to play like in a more and more important role. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that like I've I've learned programming because I I want to use it to do something bigger, 
And like, I, I don't just want to be coding every day. And I, I think that like, just, just the knowledge of, you know, data structures and algorithms and how the internet works is just so important to the functioning of the world. And that like, it can really help anybody. Amazing, mate. Let's wrap it up. Well, thank you for joining Hi Right Now Unfiltered. And um, yeah, we should we should do this more often, you know, now that we've got this uh, remote thing set up. Maybe like, you know, on a weekly basis, bi-weekly basis, you know, we, we get together, get involved. And then obviously it'll be a lot better when we're together physically, then we can give a lot more, more raw type of version of our, our story to our Hi Right Now friends and listeners. Yeah, man, yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm definitely done. Yeah, let's do it. All right, mate, I'll let you go. Um, enjoy your vibe with uh, Andrew and Keeley. Thanks good. for joining. And, uh, keep calm and vibe on.